Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I love the presence of God. I'm so thankful. Never take it for granted that the, that the King of Kings, the, our Heavenly Father, the Creator, the Star Breather, which is one of my favorite ways of describing God, the Star Breather is in the house, is in the room, is available, is present, is speaking right here and right now in this place. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm excited too. I know we already talked about Naughty Christmas, but I was pumped. The girls and I walked to the neighborhood, handing, uh, putting these on all the door hangers, having conversations. Uh, like has already been said, it's a, it's a it's an easy send. It's an easy conversation. So, lean into that in a big way. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something today that um, I'm gonna kind of work my way through in the sense that it's a concept that sometimes can be difficult to to kind of uh, navigate, but it's it's a central biblical theme. And the title of my message is going to be called Holiday Gains, which will kind of lead me into it. So Holiday Gains, Holiday Gains. Now, uh, right now I'm sucking in my stomach right now, and I will be for the next 30 or so minutes. So uh, I'm going to do my best um, to not look like I've been having the wrong kind of gains. You know what I'm saying? Uh, when, when you think of, when I think of holiday gains, I think of the, the gains that we're all about, we're about committed to wear stretchy pants for the next, you know, uh, 30, 40, uh, days of our lives and, uh, and the sweatpants will be coming out and, uh, you know, and we're going to have some fun. I, I love holiday. I love the gatherings. I love the food. I, I love all of that. I need to take a quick poll. I, I feel like I always lose this one, but I just want to I want to see where the pie situations are at in the room. So I um I my absolute favorite is pecan pie. Okay, that's my jam. Listen, warm pecan pie with the with some vanilla ice cream. Any lovers out there of the pecan? Yeah. Okay, okay. I could I sense that there was like faith in the room and uh uh okay but let's let's get some of who what what's your other who's got a is pumpkin pie your favorite is that like a favorite okay yeah pumpkin pie people always yell about it you know what i mean it's a unique thing it's interesting how about more like the apple pies that that variety that kind of a situation okay what about brownies yeah show some love to the Dude, everybody loves brownies. If we're just ch- chucking out desserts, who loves pazookies? Come on, somebody. That's where unity's at. You know what I mean? I feel like there's division in a lot of areas of our lives, but we can come together around pazookie. You know what I mean? It's And if you don't know what that is, I need you to come to the altar afterward because one of our ministry team is going to explain it and uh, pray over you, and then you're going to head... Uh, to BJ's Brew House and Restaurant, and you're going to get a pazuki this afternoon, and things are going to change. And uh, I mean, just a warm cookie with that ice cream on it. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's good to have the Flemings. Uh, parents here, come on. Mom and Dad. Great to have you guys in town. Uh, okay, so holiday games, I'm not talking about gaining weight. 
And uh, I'm not necessarily talking about the gym, although today has been sponsored by Supreme Supplement, so I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I should, I should have one of your tumblers up here. You know what I mean? I, that could have been, been awesome. If anyone's nervous, it's not actually. We don't sponsor messages. Uh, calm down. But next week we'll be sponsored by uh, Beaver Fleming and Nitro Circus, so that's going to be good as well. <laughs> oh, um, I, I want to talk about a, another type of gain, and First Timothy is going to get us into it here. Uh, it says, there's been constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Right? This, let me read that again. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Someone say content. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. How many have seen that, right? For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Final charge to Timothy says, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. So, so the Bible has a biblical secret to having happiness, to having joy, to having peace in your life, and it's this concept of contentment, right? And it's not something Americans are great at, at all. Like, we're the worst at it, to be honest. Contentment is like a swear word to a lot of people because they think it means lazy. They think it means giving up. They think it means not trying. They think it means not going after your dream, right? So the assumption is that if I'm content, that I'm going to do nothing with my life or or I'm going to just give up or I'm not going to send it. I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to lean in to the things that God has for me. But the Bible says that People are, are destroying themselves by trying to find all of this within gain when in reality contentment and godliness actually produces the gain in your life that you're looking for. Now, now the initial gains uh, are, are not monetary gains. It's peace. It's joy, right? It's freedom. It's life. But we also know all throughout the book of Proverbs that, that a righteous life, a godly life, a life that is found in Christ produces all of the things that a lot of times people are chasing all the time, right? And, and so if people can get uh, off track. People can get out of place. The principle of contentment is so important. And especially, man, when we live in a culture where we're 10xing, 100xing, going for it, crushing it, dominating this concept to go, okay, how does contentment actually combat that idea in a biblical way to actually create, uh, not, it's not minimizing the, the influence or impact or success you're going to have. It's actually going to elevate that and do it in a way where, where peace is involved. It's so important that it's literally the last of the Ten Commandments. Right? 
I think that kind of says something significant. It deals with this area of being discontent. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, it says, You will not covet, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Shall not covet, covet your neighbor's wife or your male or female servants or ox or donkey. So it's basically saying, you know, their business, their wealth, their finance, right? Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So the concept of coveting is wanting something or, you know, you know, other ways that that word is kind of translated is lust. I mean, it's like an aggressive desire for something that's not yours, right? And in trying to get something or take something that actually doesn't belong to you is this idea of coveting, but coveting is driven by a lack of contentment. Trying to get something before it's yours. Sometimes the thing that you're coveting will never be yours and you need to repent and deal with God with that but sometimes it's just not yours to have yet right sometimes it's not yours yet and when we when we get into a place where we're trying to go after things we we are not are not yet ours to have that's why America racks up credit card debt that's why we try to live in facades that are not real, right? We try to make shows of things. We want stuff. I love that. I want that. I want what they have. I want, you know. And America goes up into our eyeballs in debt, in credit card debt, because we're trying to get stuff that is not actually ours yet to possess, right? There used to be an era where the credit cards were not a thing. You bought stuff when you had the money to buy it. That's how it worked. We, we have shortcutted the biblical model by now creating a space for people to have stuff that they should not have yet, right? Things that don't belong to them yet that they're grabbing onto. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit too because I've gotten caught up in all this stuff too, okay? You know, using credit cards, getting yourself in trouble, wanting something, stepping out in that place. And we've been in those places and it's important that we understand kind of this wrestle that is actually really, really important for us to, to understand. Now, it's, this is not saying that God doesn't want to, to bless you and to prosper you and to increase you. So this is why a lot of times people get nervous about this topic because either people just ignore it because they're like, hey, God's got a blessing, and that whole contentment thing kind of messes with that. So let's not, let's not talk about it, right? Or people preach all contentment and they, they mock anyone who is going after increase and multiplying and taking territory. So they're, they're usually, it's a, this is why people don't oftentimes want to engage with this conversation. But if God is speaking this in his word, but he also speaks blessing, increase, favor, and prosperity, then obviously they're not in conflict with each other. They're actually serving each other right? So God is going to increase. God has promised lands for you to take, territory for you to step into, but part of this process is going to be walked out in contentment. And if you actually want to live in peace, we have to learn how to walk in contentment. We have to learn how to embrace this. This is actually, uh, you know, Pastor Ian says it like this, and I've heard it said before in this way, that God is, has no problem with you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you, 
right? And I think that's a great way uh, to look at a lot of things that we go after. Uh, when, when the, you know, the, the, you know the, the vehicle, the house, you know, some of the fun toys, the, the vacations, those are great. Those are awesome. I love it. I'm thankful that we live in a blessed nation. I'm thankful that God has given us the power to create wealth that allows us to enjoy everything that he has for us. But when those things, when the pursuit of stuff actually begins to cloud our ability to actually do what God has called us to do, it actually gets us out of a content place, out of enjoyment, into coveting, and trying to get everything that is just, you know, advertised to us, you know? Um, and you know the algorithm, algorithms know you. Like, it's a little scary how well they know you, right? Like right now, uh, who knows what's going to show up on my Instagram feed later? You know what I mean? It's going to be like, are you trying to get out of debt? You know what I mean? Because, because I've been just talking about credit cards. Or it's going to be like, have you thought about applying for this credit card? One of the two, one of the two, oh, you're making them listen to my, 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 yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's going to be uh, something like that going on, right? They know how to get into what you want, your eyes, what, what you see. And, and this goes right to the very beginning. You, you know, it's so interesting. So much of the issues and answers of life are in the first few chapters of the whole Bible. Genesis, man, it just showcases some things, right? One of them is that when you understand that the devil's first tactic to destroy man was to get them out of contentment and into coveting something that wasn't theirs. That was the first thing, right? Let, let me read a couple verses, Genesis 3, 1. Uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, first mistake, don't talk to snakes, okay? Uh, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die, right? So God's given mandate. God's given parameters. God, But also remember, sometimes we focus so much, because this is our human nature and our sin nature, or we're like, man, well, why, why do you make that one tree that you couldn't have? Let's, let's go 30,000-foot view here for a second. He gave them everything else. They had all that they needed. They lived in abundance. Like... They had it all. It was theirs to partake of. They had the best fruit. They had the best of the land. God did not skimp on what he provided for Adam and Eve. So it wasn't like it was like, man, we got nothing out here. We're eating rocks, you know, and that one tree that actually has fruit on it, God said we can't have. That wasn't the garden. The garden was overflowing. It was bountiful. It was beautiful. That is what God wants in our life. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have abundance. So don't get contentment twisted. But in this case, it, the enemy got in there and started to get them discontent. Started to get them going, oh, yeah, I need that. I want that. I want that. It got their eyes out of all the blessing that they already had. All the overflow, all the goodness, all the produce, all the resource that God had given them, and their eyes got on the one thing 
that God said you can't do that. And then the devil in verse 4, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. And this is interesting. It says, then when the woman saw, right, her, her eyes kind of led her into coveting and discontentment beyond what, what God had given them, that the, she saw that the fruit was of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. Bro, what was his problem? Dude, the first sin happened because a man would not open up his mouth and lead his wife. Come on, some, some of the women are getting a witness up in here. Now, man, that's a time, depending on how your wife is feeling this morning, of whether or not you amen or not, loudly, right? You know, glances, side eyes, these are dangerous moments, okay? I understand that. You know, I'm setting up some daggers here, so you got to be careful. You got to navigate it lightly. But, but the truth is that in, in life together, God has designed us as men to lead our... This is kind of a side thought, but as you're reading through the scripture, you cannot, uh, you know, kind of negate the reality that even though the predominant conversation dialogue is going on between the devil and Eve, Adam is there, he's silent, and he's not doing his job. He's not in his role. He's not in his assignment. Men, uh, if, if the enemy is messing with our wives and our kids, we need to open our mouth. We need to begin to say something. We need to begin to pray. We need to step in, right? We need to guard. We need to protect. We need to resist the enemy from messing with our families. It's very important that we don't become a silent bystander to the destruction of our family because the enemy is just doing whatever he wants. And you're like, well, you know, I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to cause drama in the home. Not causing drama in the home has created more drama (laughs) in the home than anything else. One of the things Katie and I made a commitment when we first got married is we were always going to have the tough conversations. Even if that meant metaphorically or literally sleeping on the couch. My wife has actually never kicked me out to the couch until more recent years of snoring. And that's different. That's a different kicking out of the room. It's not because of anger, although it's a little angry in the middle of the night, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I'm be honest about it. Pray for us. The night's a dark time. And uh, <laughs> it's a dark time for everybody. All right. If you know that movie reference, how wild. That's a funny movie. Okay. Anyways. Um, so you, you got to go there. You got to have those conversations. You got to navigate. You got to lead well together. Amen? Amen. 
So the, the obvious thing, though, is that God desires good things for his kids, but he does not want things to destroy us or rob us or, or corrupt us. And that's why in the beginning verse, it talks about godliness with contentment. That's where real gain happens. That's where real increase begins to happen in our hearts and in our lives, and we have to learn how to navigate that. That's attached to that iconic verse that a lot of people misquote, right? That money is the root of all evil, which we know the Bible doesn't say that. What does it say? It says the love of money, right? Which is why when you look at the story of the rich young ruler, that Jesus is confronting something that's in the heart of this young wealthy man, right? Because a lot of times it's like it's a bit of a confusing verse because nowhere else does Jesus encounter people and say, sell everything. That's, he says, come follow me, and, and they, they step out, they leave different things, they, they sacrifice, I, absolutely, but it's the only time where Jesus makes that kind of direct command like that to somebody related to what they have. Why was he doing that? Was it purely because God wants everyone who follows him to be broken poor? That doesn't seem consistent with the Bible. Because most of the people that are recorded, especially all throughout the Old Testament, are like wealthy kings like super wealthy people. So following God cannot mean vows of poverty. That's not consistent throughout Scripture. What he's dealing with is what Pastor Aaron talks about. We don't want to have we don't want to have stuff having us. For the rich young ruler, money had him. Wealth had consumed him. It had gripped him. He couldn't let go of something. And so that's where Jesus went right to the thing that he goes, hey, there's something going on here something you're holding on to or that's holding on to you and you need to let it go. And that was a tough thing for him. It says he walked away sad. We don't know the end of the story. I hope he had an encounter again and, and surrendered those things in his heart. Because there was another rich man named Zacchaeus that had a humility, encountered Jesus, has a meal with him. Next thing you know, he's giving away half of everything he has. He's repaying four times anyone he robbed. I mean, he just has this radical shift and where he, had a, he attached his heart to God rather than to his things and to his money. So contentment uh, is great gain. So I, I have a few thoughts here that I want to kind of leave us with, three gains that we can get this holiday season, not from the table or the dessert section, uh, but in our faith. So the first one is uh, we want to have the gains of thankfulness, gain thankfulness. Now, this, this is an area that we want to stir up in us because the enemy and all of the ads on all the stuff we love is constantly trying to get you and me discontented with what we currently have to get the new thing they want you to buy. That is the, that's the constant race that we're all in. And when you bought them one thing that you loved, two weeks later, they're reminding you it's no longer cool and you need the newest one. Especially in the Apple world. Can I get an amen out there? Come on. Now, I love my iPhone, but it's relentless. I mean, you blink an eye and you've missed three or four, you know, upgraded versions of it, you know. You're like, do I need that? I, don't, I think I do. The camera's better, you know. But and all the commercials are selling you as to why your current thing that you have is now obsolete and horrible and lame, and you got to have the better one. 
And so-and-so has the upgraded one, so you should too. And if you actually want to enjoy your life, you're going to have the new, better, bigger thing. Right? And that's the strategy. What is that doing? It's getting my heart discontented with what I have and drawing me into, i got to have I got to have more. I got to have this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with upgrading your life. But again, going back to, do you actually have the ability to take that thing? Is that actually yours to take? Are you actually, is it the right timing or is it ever, right? But it's so important that we don't get into a lifestyle where we're putting ourselves in trouble. Because then if we're maxed out to the edges of our lives, then when opportunities come, like the Good Samaritan story, to help those in need, and we're looking around in our pockets and going, I so want to give, I so want to help, I so want to be available, but I can't, right? The Bible talks about being generous on every occasion. I remember somebody saying one time, and it's convicting, that most Christians are too poor to be a Christian. And what that meant was that most Christians do not have the ability to be generous on every occasion. Maybe some occasions, Maybe from time to time, maybe never, depending on how we're living. But our goal, I want to be able to be generous on every occasion. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to release generosity and serve and help and support and care for people every chance I can get. Every opportunity that's presented to me, I want to be able to do that. But that is going to require a different way of living, a different contentment, where I'm not constantly to the edges. And uh, if you guys didn't hear... Uh, Eric and Christy Hepfer's session at the Pathfinders Conference, their breakout session on personal finance. Get the media card. If you listen to no other sessions, but that session, it's worth it because they give some really great principles and really great strategies on how to approach that. I know my wife and I were front row taking notes as well. Come on, I want to keep leveling up in that area of my life, right? But thankfulness helps us disconnect our joy from our possessions. So too many of us, if you think about a train, the, the engine of, of possessions is what we're trying to hitch the rest of our train cart to of happiness or enjoyment or fulfillment. we got to disconnect from that because it never leads us. That train track of stuff and things, and it never leads us towards contentment. It's not what produces real lasting joy in our life. we got to hitch our, our wagon, so to speak, to being thankful. I'm thankful for what God has done. Contentment is, is thankfulness about everything God's already given us. You know, um, it's, you know, I was trying to think, like, how do I kind of, you know, articulate the idea? When I think of contentment, it's like I think of just taking a, a deep, contented, breath, or you're just like, ah. have, you ever, have, you ever, have you done that in a while? Just like take a deep breath and just, I'm good. I'm good here. Somebody has the first like legit breath you've thought about in a while. <laughs> if it's so, ah, you know, on the edge, like, wait a second. Ah, okay. I'm thankful. Look around. Let me just pause for a second. Eyes been good. I'm thankful for what I have. He's been faithful to me. Got good friends, good family, you know, good good church community. You know, we live 
come on, we're still fighting for the freedom of this nation, but we live in a free nation still. <laughs> uh, come on, it, it's different. Like, I, I, want, I want to be... So having dreams and promised lands and things that God has given you should not equal a stressed out life. So I'm at peace. I'm content as I'm heading towards the, the promises that God has given me. Right? Right? Doesn't that feel like a better way to live? <laughs> Don't you just like breathing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, there's something about it because um, when you look at Jesus, I think about if there's one person with his limited three years of ministry time on, on earth, and, you know, he had all these years of growing up uh, as, a, as a human, and then he kind of launches in for just a three years. I always thought, like, man, if there's one person that should have been, like, sort of, like, stressed out in the sense of, like, never sleep, grind nonstop, got to get the gospel out, you know. Uh, it should have been him. But here he's, like, taking naps. He's going away personally to mountains to chill for a little bit. He's retreating with the, with the, with the gang for dinner. You know what I mean? He's moving on. Like, he, he should have been stressed out in our current idea of what it means to go after the goals. You know what I mean? Or the, ah, it's like, calm down. Jesus, Jesus was on mission, but at peace, right? So I don't want to live a missionless life. I don't want to just be, ah, I'm just existing, and whatever happens, happens. That's not what I'm talking about. Content is that I'm at peace on the way to what God has called me to do. Every single one of us, man, we got territory to take. We got lives to see transformed. We've got a city that needs Jesus, that needs hope. The whole night of Christmas, man, this is amazing. It's a, this epic opportunity to transform a city, and we're going to go for it. We're going to give it 100%, and it's going to be excellent. It's going to be all that, but we're going to have peace on the way to doing the things that God has called us to do, Okay? Rather than having a discontented, I'm never happy. Because if we live, which is what the, our culture wants us to live in, a perpetual state of I'll be happy when, right? That's like iconic, you know, coveting, disconnect, discontented type of ideology, right? Man, man dude, as soon, if you're single, it's like, man, as soon as I get married, oh, I'm going to be so good then. That's going to be great. Hey as, soon as you, hey, as soon as I have kids, right? And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, man, once the business gets up and running, I'm going to be good. Hey, once it reaches X figures, then I'll be good. Hey, once I get this house, and then I get the next, it's like, we, we got to throw that out. If we think that is going to be a, a secret to contentment and joy and peace, man, that, that's, that's why I have to plan stressed out and on medication, right? Calm down. Rest in God, be content with what he's given you now, at peace now, on the way to what God has for you, right? On the way. So one of the other gains is wisdom, which I basically already kind of got into. We want to gain wisdom because I think that's one of the biggest things that we 
we kind of throw away in this conversation. It's okay, yeah, I'm going to be thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But wisdom says it takes time, process, there's sowing, there's waiting, there's reaping. There's, there's all kinds of things in the process of progressing, taking territory, building the things God's giving you to build, uh, increasing the way that God's giving you to build. But there's got to have wisdom that, that we understand. So disconnecting our identity from possessions is super important in that. So our, our wisdom allows me to not freak out with the process. Because, I mean, I, Katie and I were like that when we first got married. You, you kind of see other people, and they're way down the process timeline. And they got all this stuff. And you're like, man, our house should look like that. Our car should be like that. Our, it's like, calm down. It takes process. There's a reason why it's the older dude with gray hair that's got the epic convertible cruising down the road. Because it took time. It took time to get there. Now, if you get there faster, awesome. You can be the young dude with black hair or brown hair in the convertible, and that's fine. That's fine. Nothing wrong. You know, it's not like you have to take forever to get all the you know fun, maybe little things you, you dreamed of when you were younger. But I'm just saying that there's usually a reason why, right? There's a reason why because you have to have wisdom in going after the things that God has for you and not because lack of understanding that there's process, again, gets me back into discontent. Ah, why am I there yet? And Lord, I've been a big offender of this. It's got to happen now. Come on, you spoke it. Even a prophetic word, man, I see you doing this and I see this and you're like, ah, it's got to happen now. No, just let me remind you. Here's how most prophetic words happen. When you get a word, what you do is you usually just keep doing the thing you were doing when you got the word. You usually don't change much except for faithfulness with expectation now because God has released a word to you that you can really hold on to, right? So that's how you navigate that. When God has released a word to you, you say, come on, yes and amen. I'm going to put my faith on that word. I'm going to believe for that word. And I'm going to get back like King David before he was king. He gets this epic, you're going to be king prophecy. Bro, that's a hard prophecy to get when you just go right back to the sheep. That's a tough one. It's like, all right. You're like, all right, put me in. I guess I'm a, I'm a, I'm a king's apprentice now, I guess. Put me in the palace. Let's go. This is going to be amazing. It's like you get this word, you're like, oh, he's loving it. His brothers are pissed. But it's like it's like best, best day of David's life. And then he kind of looks at the prophet. He's dipped. You know, he exits the story. And he's like, should I go with him? I mean, like, what's up, you know? He looks back at his dad, and his dad's like, well, it's kind of chores time. So uh, get back out there, right? That's where the wisdom of process, okay? Now, I, I think uh, the, the last thing I'll say is before it closes, as far as gains, is generosity. We want to gain generosity. You know, one of the biggest things, which I absolutely love, uh, another thing that Pastor Ian, uh says around this topic is that he said, you know, greedy people don't give and giving people don't greed. You know, or the best antidote for greed is generosity. Because when we're talking and we have this healthy tension of 
going after things that we know God has told us and staying content and at peace in the process. Um, there, there can be this fear, especially in religious Christian circles. Hey, I just got to stay away from all wealth because it's going to make me greedy. It's going to destroy me. It's going to mess me up. Well, first of all, the, the Bible's not consistent with that religious ideology. But if, if you're nervous about anything, just keep giving. <laughs> just keep saying generous. Just keep releasing. Just keep in that flow of generosity. And the Bible says that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if I keep giving to the house of God, if I keep giving to see campuses established and things like Night of Christmas, things like our mission work that we do down, down in Mexico, if I keep giving to see these things happen, it's going to keep my heart connected to God. Man, if, if I don't have to freak out. I don't have to be nervous about whether or not I'm going to move into greed because I want to, I'm going to stay on the front foot of generosity. And in our area, uh, any area of our life where we hold back, usually there, there's a problem. In our, in our giving, it's one of those great little self-heart checks. Do I have a hard time just with the regular tithe conversation at 10%, right? I got I to bring my tithe. Do I have a hard time with that? Is that every week it's like, ah, oh, you try to like look at your phone and scroll real quick during it, right? It, that's, that's a question between you and God to start having, God, why is this such a challenge for me? Why can't I bring my tithe? Why can't I be faithful with that? Maybe you got into tithing and then people start talking about vision builders and taking territory. Yeah, And you're like, whoa, calm down. You know, like, uh, you know, I'm giving God 10 and that's it. You know what I mean? Then that's another question of just, okay, where's, where's my kind of just thankfulness to God at? You know, where's, because offerings is where we really start to get into giving right? Offerings is where we really step into a new season uh, of just saying, God, oh man, well, I want to be a part of what you're a part of. I want to I honor you. I want to just, you know, yeah, even the holiday season, sometimes it's going to be just fun time, no prompting, nobody asking, no extra vision builders pledge, just you going, you know what? I'm going to just bring an offering to God, you know? You know, I'm just going to do something. It could be, you know, small, could be massive, uh, depending on, you know, where you're at from a quantity standpoint, but it's just more of a show of your heart to say, God, just over and above, I just want to bring an offering that just honors you, right? That kind of generosity, that kind of understanding, that kind of lifestyle, man, it just keeps me connected to the heart of God. Okay, I, I, wanna, I wanna see gains this holiday, not in, in this, but in, uh, uh, but in thankfulness, right? In wisdom and in generosity, amen? Man, uh, stand to your feet. Amen. Did you say three fires? Three fire emojis? Oh, Lord. That's a win. How many know when you comment, you just do one fire? It's like, whoa, only one fire? Twos is almost worse than doing one, though. Because, like, you ain't three, and I'm going to let you know that. But I've done that. I've done a double fire. And you're like, yeah, if I ever do double fire, you just come back and go, where's my third? You know what I mean? We need the full three. Full three fire. Come on. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm thankful for God's goodness in our lives. And I want us as a church, you know, one of the, the stories where Jesus really showcases 
his desire to see us operate in thankfulness. Remember when there was 10 men who had leprosy in the Bible and they encounter the mercy of Jesus, he heals all, all of them. But they didn't heal in the moment in front of them. They healed as they took a step of faith to go and do what he said. So they're already out of Jesus' presence by the time the miracle came. But after they realize they're all healed, one of them comes back and just thanks Jesus and honors him. And he's like, hey, where, where's, where's the other guys at? Didn't you all get healed? Only one comes back to say thank you? Wow. Okay. You know, I, I think let's, let's elevate our thankfulness to God in this season. This isn't just like a cheesy pre-Thanksgiving message. Like I kind of even forgot it was Thanksgiving in the sense of my message prep. I just feel like this was in, in my heart. I want us to increase our thankfulness. And thankfulness will be one of the shields that helps us avoid getting into coveting and a discontented life. If I stay thankful, thankful for our family. Come on, thankful for my beautiful wife. I'm thankful for our friends. I'm thankful for my kid. I'm thankful for the work that God has given us to do. I'm thankful for our pastors. I'm thankful God has been good. Are there, are there dreams yet to be done? Absolutely. Are there goals that are in my heart that I know God has, has set me after? Absolutely. But I'm thankful today. I'm not going to wait till 10 years from now to get happy. I'm not going to wait for 20 years from now to finally have peace. Let's not do that. Let's have it now. Let's walk in peace now. Let's be content now. Everybody breathe one more time. Oh, it feels better, doesn't it? God's good. Amen. Lift up your hands. Father, I thank you for uh, our incredible church. God, let us be known as the most thankful people. Uh, so appreciative uh, of what you've done and, and thankful for others. Let it be the language of our, our house and our hearts that we're just, we're thankful. We're adding just, just praise and thankfulness in every sphere of our lives where we keep that appreciation and keep appreciating the things that God has given us. God, you've been faithful to us. God, I pray for any areas of kind of where we've allowed discontentment uh, or coveting to kind of rob us of our joy, rob us of our peace. Lord, we just, we repent of that. We ask God that you would give us a contented spirit with godliness that we know is really where the great gain is. God, let us operate in that. Let us walk in that peace. Let us walk in that strength. Let us walk in that authority. Thank you, God, for wisdom, for thankfulness, and for generosity. God, if there's any areas of our hearts that just glitch when it, when it comes to releasing funds, because probably kind of has a grip on us, Today, we just break any, uh, any ties to finances that are, that are controlling us versus us controlling and leading our money. We just make a decision, God, you've given us freely and we're going to give freely. We're going to live in that way. We're going to operate in that way. We're going to walk in that peace. Lord, I thank you that the peace of God, your peace that transcends all understanding would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
You know, but before we um, before we head out, I want to just ask uh, the question of of ultimate salvation and peace. Right? Ultimately, all the stuff we're talking about begins in this place of peace in our heart that only begins when I surrender to Christ. So everybody just bow your heads and, and close your eyes for a moment uh, because I want it to be a, a moment of self-reflection so we're not distracted. Um, and I just want to know, where were you at with God? You know, or have you given your life to him? Have you surrendered to him? Have you received salvation that only comes from him, not from your good works, not from your trying harder, being better or whatever, but have you received salvation? And Jesus gives it freely. He offers it to us, but we have to make that decision to say, yes, I receive who you are, that you are the leader and Lord of my life, that you are the savior of the world, that you are the king of all kings. And when we make that decision in our hearts, salvation comes, forgiveness comes, healing comes to our heart. So right now on the count of three, if you say, Samuel, that's me, pray with me. I need to make that decision this morning to give my life to Christ, to, to accept salvation, to receive that eternal life in, in my heart right now. I just want you to, on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Just go and lift up your hand around the room. Say, that's me. Awesome. Great. So good. I see you guys. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lift up your hand nice and high so I can see it. Awesome. See you up there. Awesome. Anybody else? Great. So good. Well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, th there are several of you guys that raised your hand, and I want you to pray with me in just a moment, a simple prayer of giving our life to Christ. But our whole church family is going to pray along with you and agree with you in this decision to say yes to Jesus and say yes to him. So could you all repeat this after me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead so that I could be free. Today, I choose to turn from my way and follow you with all my heart. Jesus, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.